Hi, this is Esti, host of the Friday A Public Affair. I hope you help us by contributing to WORT and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Bye. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Another... No, change no change without, without struggle. struggle. No, no one, one in power ain't, ain't giving, giving up, up nothing. nothing. No, no change, change without, without struggle. struggle. No, no one, one in power. power. W-O-R-T, 89.9 FM, listener-sponsored community radio, Madison, Wisconsin. And hello, welcome to A Public Affair. I am STD Noor. Thanks to Nada for uh, substituting for me while I was gone. And let me tell you, folks, I was planning to start the new year on a hopeful note, but then I realized that my first show of 2023 is the second anniversary of the day in which I, who don't watch TV, except if I'm in hotels, was flipping between three TV stations, watching with bated breath as a massive violent mob invaded Congress, erected a gallows, stole objects from elected officials' office, all with very little visible response by law enforcement. I watched as senators, representatives, and the vice president were escorted to areas where I hoped they were safe, and I saw the previous president, the one who lost the elections, encouraging the lawlessness and violence. It dawned on me slowly that I was watching a coup attempt, that blood may be spilled, and that the future might bring senior serious dangers with it. The coup attempt uh, did not succeed per se, but it also isn't done. So to look at what has transpired in the years since, I have here with me David Armiak. He is research director with the Center for Media and Democracy and its Insurrection Exposed website. David joined CMD in 2015, has conducted extensive investigations on dark money, corporate corruption, corruption and right-wing networks, and is responsible for filing and analyzing hundreds of public records requests every year. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So um, the way it looks to me is that the insurrection continues, um, though not so visibly, and that American democracy, flawed as it is and flawed as it has been, I don't think it's uh, really a uh, great example of, of what uh, democracy can be. But what we had is still in danger for Trump, his allies, and the sympathizers in office and, and out of office. Um, in the words of insurrection exposed itself, the failed insurrection that they has grown into a movement to subvert free and fair elections that now poses an even greater threat to the very survival of American democracy. What, what, what do you mean by these words? Um, well, especially that, that the insurrection is not open um, and that it is continuing to unfold um, and, you know, we, we want to document that and, and make that known, you know, to the public, um, to the citizenry of our country so that, you know, people can make educated decisions um, when uh, electing um, election officials. Um, we, you know, skirted an emergency, you know, here um, in the fall of uh, 2022 with the midterm elections. Um, there were many um, candidates that were, you know, backed by the former president, Donald Trump, um, and associated with um, the right-wing effort to um, <laughs> upend our democracy and, and remove voting rights for, for many Americans here in the country, um, whether that be, you know, Secretary of State races. You know, here in Wisconsin, our Secretary of State does not oversee the elections, but in many places, there's one individual that does. Um, and, and so those positions were um, at jeopardy. Um, uh, or, um, you know, um, election boards or election officials, um, or U.S. senators, uh, or U.S. representatives, right, um, governors. Um, 
so what we're seeing is um, a project that you know is in motion and is not done. There are many groups um, on the right that are working to subvert our democracy. Um, and, and so we launched Insurrection Exposed to document that um, and to try to um, provide information to the public so that they can refer to it and, and make educated decisions. So, so this is the fourth day of uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, trying to become the Speaker of the House. We all missed the first item on the BBC News, but I believe it said that uh, even though um, there were some defections from the, um, I don't know, the fascist cabal that um, is um, voting against him, but that he still has not... Um, gotten the position, and I also shudder to think about all the concessions that he keeps doing that will eventually, I suppose, will make him the Speaker of the House. Do you think, is that part of what we're seeing? Is that part of the ongoing insurrection? Oh, most certainly. So, um, you know, uh, I haven't had a chance to watch the interview, but earlier today on C-SPAN, Club for Growth, which is a um, group that's heavily financed by people like Richard Uline, the GOP mega donor, um, and other mega donors on the right, um, was you know talking about his uh, agreement or his proposal to McCarthy um, and and his allies uh, to um, agree to have McCarthy and his pack not um, get involved in um, races across the country where there isn't an incumbent running. Um, you know, so this is an example here of where, you know, if that were to happen, you know, there would be less money, um, you know, for uh, traditional, you know, so-called traditional Republicans um, and, and more money for right wing or fascist candidates, um, and, which would result um, in, you know, the election of more of these um, election deniers um, and Trump loyalists, um, we believe. Um, also, um, you know, as I pointed out, um, as this was unfolding this week, uh, when Donald's was uh, nominated um, for speaker, um, Byron Donald's is a representative out of Florida. That's, that seemed to come out of nowhere for a lot of people. However, he is, um, you know, someone who, um, <clears throat> you know, has been uh, working together with um, the right, Christian right um, secretive organization called the Council for National Policy to defeat or upend voting rights. He um, voted to not certify the, the election in 2020. Um, and, and you know, he's worked with people like Cleta Mitchell, who's a very dangerous individual, was Trump's lawyer on the call in Georgia um, when he asked for the Georgia Secretary of State to find votes for him to win that election there in the state. Um, and, and so, you know, this candidate is, is, is somebody, you know, that they were promoting. Apparently, they're not promoting him today. Um, but, you know, he he would be very dangerous because the Council for National Policy was deeply tied to the insurrection on January 6th. Many of its operatives are continually involved in the organizations they work for, are continually involved um, to subvert um, the elections uh, in, uh, in our country under the guise of the term election integrity, which really should alarm anyone when you hear that. Because um, really what they mean by that is voter suppression and keeping people from voting. Um, or I should say the, the people that they don't want from voting. Um, people of color, minorities, um, disabled, um, etc. cetera. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, this is all part of their project to, to either disrupt government, um, to, to get a loyalist in the speaker position, but if not, to get rule changes in the House. Um, which will benefit them in the long run, um, including what I discussed before re- related to the agreement with uh, Club for Growth and also um, allowing um, one representative to, um, you know, challenge the speaker and, and or ask for a vote to, for um, the speaker to be removed. So um, you mentioned uh, Donald. Is he the one that uh, Gates um, has suggested be the Speaker of the House because he himself is, uh, shall we say, an extremely compromised individual who's talking about election integrity? Um, Talk about 
I, I don't know if he's the one who suggested him, but but let's talk about him for a moment here. Yeah, actually, who who suggested it or who nominated him first was um, Chip Roy, um, who's a representative who's involved in the Freedom Caucus. Um, also, um, Chip Roy, um, as we've documented, was at the Council for National Policy meeting um, last fall um, talking about border security. Um, coincidentally, um, a House gift disclosure showed that um, Chip Roy was not the only one invited to that meeting, but Kevin McCarthy was also invited, um, and he declined to attend, um, which is very interesting. Um, so here you have Chip Roy, you know, nominating um, Donald and being one of the people challenging um, Speaker McCarthy. Um, and all of these folks are, you know, um, you know, related or, or working with organizations in the Council for National Policy and, and the wider effort um, to subvert our elections. And um, you also mentioned Richard Uline, who is um, a Wisconsin uh, guy. Um, tell us who he is and um, what his role has been in the insurrection and even before that and, and since. So Richard Uline, um, you know, his family comes out of the Schlitz beer fortune. Um, and, but he now runs, uh, the Uline and it's spelled U-L-I-N-E, um, packaging and shipping companies. So they produce things like, um, you know, the Amazon boxes, the bubble wraps, um, the catalog comes in the mail. It's, you know, thousands and thousands of pages. Um, but they're, you know, um, you know, a Christian right couple. Um, they, you know, are election deniers. They were, they were there when Trump was inaugurated, you know, didn't see it too far away from him. Um, but large, they have large amounts of money that they have weaponized to, um, prop up, um, right-wing organizations, right-wing candidates, um, like Ron Johnson here, um, in Wisconsin. Um, and now, um, you know, he's not only, um, focused on, you know, these, uh, you know, voter suppression groups and, and propping up extremists, but he's very focused on um, state Supreme Courts. Um, so he's got an organization called Fair Courts America. Again, you know, they, these these names, they, they're not representative of what 1984-ish, <laughs> for sure. Yes, yeah. right. Um, but yeah, Fair Courts America has committed, you know, tens of millions of dollars to, to moving courts further to the right. Why? Because they, you know, on the right, they got their decision in Dobbs, which overturned Roe v. Wade. So the next battleground is in the state courts for many places. Um, so people here in Wisconsin should be on the lookout for Fair Courts America here in the coming weeks and months, uh, because we have a very important um, Supreme Court election right around the corner, and Uline is committed, you know, tens of millions of dollars, um, you know, to to this race to to get um, a candidate that um, is anti-abortion. Um, on the ballot or committed to yeah. being anti-abortion on the ballot and to maintain that right-wing um, <clears throat> uh, capture of our Supreme Court here in Wisconsin. And and our uh, primary is coming right up in February, correct? End of February, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely something to pay attention to and to vote um, in. So um, they... And, and so you talked about um, Supreme Courts in, in states, but they're also working on changing state laws per se, um, threatening state officials, packing election administration offices so they can have the final say over election re- results, even if they lose. Talk more about these efforts that are all in the political slash legal arena? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question one more time? Like I was having a technical difficulty there for a second. Yeah, and actually I think you are sounding a little better, but what I was asking you is to discuss um, the other efforts in the political slash legal arena, such as... um, uh, changing state laws, packing election administration offices so they can have the final say, even even if they lost, they can decide that they won. And also threatening state officials, which, of course, Trump and Giuliani did pre-insurrection, but that hasn't stopped, has it? 
No. And um, again, you know, there's a very well-funded effort. Um, We don't know or we can't, um, you know, trace much of the money to direct individuals, but um, leading this effort are organizations um, such as the Honest Elections Project, which is um, associated with um, Trump's judge whisperer, Leonard Leo, um, who's one of the most influential, um, you know, players in in America, American politics, and has access to you know billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars. He received 1.6 billion um, for one of his uh, nonprofits from Bear Said, a Chicago industrialist, um, just over the last year, um, and uh, other organizations such as uh, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which we um, work with very closely. Alec, um, we broke the story. Yeah, we're Alec. Um, we broke a story um, with, through a video that we were able to obtain um, from a Council for National Policy meeting where uh, Lisa Nelson, the CEO of ALEC, um, admitted on that video that ALEC was working on elections, but that they had outsourced the work um, through to the Honest Elections Project. So um, we, you know, through um, obtaining public records requests over, over the last few years, have um, been able to identify um, at least three um, what they call, um, you know, honest election project workshops um, to um, train lawmakers, um, state lawmakers um, in secret without the public eye, without the media present on, um, you know, so-called election integrity. Um, again, that means voter suppression, ways to prevent people from voting and, and ensuring that, you know, Republicans or candidates on the right continue to win. Um, so, um, some of these laws, right, we've seen here in Wisconsin, like voter ID, right? Um, there's nothing in the U.S. Constitution that says you need a voter ID to vote. Um, however, the right has been, um, you know, steadfast and, and in lockstep and trying to push these, vo- these um, you know, voter ID laws on the states, um, you know, which, um, you know, force people, you know, who are very old or, or um, you know, have difficulty getting to the DMV, um, you know, to, to make the decision if, if they, they need to take time off from work or, or possibly quit their job in some cases to try to get to the DMV to get an ID so that they're able to vote. Um, they've extended this in some cases or they're trying to extend it by um, requiring that absentee ballots be connected to voter IDs. Um, they're looking at how um, military members vote, um, restrictions on early voting in some places. Uh, so there, there's a lot of um, bills that are kind of floating around and, and um, <clears throat> you know, uh, which just shows you, you know, I, I mean, I don't know what we can expect, um, you know, in these coming le- legislative ex- sessions, but they, you know, the fact that they've been holding these, you know, um, summits in secret um, and we've only obtained one agenda out of, out of the number of them, we can definitely expect, given the influence and the money behind it, that that more bills will pop up over the next year. Mm-hmm. So... This is the billionaire, um, the billionaire's work to um, to divert and maybe end democracy again, you know, to the degree that we have democracy. What, what do they want? What's their goal? Why do people who have so much money, why do they get involved um, to such a degree? What? I mean, I, I, I'm not asking you to get into their brains, but I imagine you've gleaned some things from all this work. Sure. Um, if you look at organizations like ALEC, right, um, they're working to, you know, um, uh, you know deregulate our economy, right, um, and, um, and our environment and our, and our schools, right, um, to shift you know, um, the burden, you know, for funding schools um, from, you know, the tax, the, the public tax, you know, to individuals, right, um, setting up a privatized education system versus instead of a public one. Um, but, you know, it really depends on the individual, you know, billionaires likely as to what um, motivates them. So I mentioned Richard Uline, you know, he's, he's, he's a very, you know, he's Christian, uh, right person. Um, you know, so for him, you know, right now, the abortion fight is, you know, center stage, you know, as you look at someone like Charles Koch, you know, he's, he's working, you know, um, I believe, you know, to, to, you know, for his libertarian goals, 
um, limited government as possible, um, preventing, you know, um, regulations so that he can continue to increase, you know, his profits. Um, it, really, that's what, in, what, you know, sort of unites the majority of them, right, is uh, corporate profits, how to, how to keep taxes low, uh, regulations low or, or non-existent um, so that they can preserve their profits or, or increase them as, as much as possible. Um, so it's really greed um, as far as I can, I can tell, because, you know, when you got hundreds of billions or tens of billions, um, what, what is tens of billions more or hundreds of billions more? You can't possibly spend all that. Um, and I should say that there also is an effort among, that some of these, um, you know, billionaires are part of to, to, you know, make, to push back against efforts in um, Congress to force them to spend more of their money through their foundations. Um, so a lot of them have sort of worked the IRS code in a way so that they don't have to actually spend much of their foundation endowments so that they can continue to weaponize these charities that they've set up to fund right-wing infrastructure, you know, forever. Um, and some, you know, in Congress have found that, you know, um, disgusting and have tried to work with um, people um, both in the in civil society, but also, you know, their fellow lawmakers to, to rein this in. And that really came to, uh, um, you know, an issue uh, during the pandemic um, because we, there wasn't a lot of they weren't seeing as much money as they would have expected to, to deal with the after effects of that. Um, you know, so it, it's 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 a problem. Um, and it's a problem that's not really going to go away, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and, you know, CMD, you know, the Center for Media and Democracy does what it can to shed light on this, to report on the activities and the, and the um, foundations, what they're, what they're funding, um, and, you know, uh, to make this available to, to folks. Mm-hmm. My guest is David Armiak. He's research director with the Center for Media and Democracy and its insurrection exposed website. We are talking, of course, about the second anniversary of the January 6th insurrection or coup attempt, however you want to think about it. You're welcome to join the conversation. If you haven't called in the past seven days, you can call us at 608 256-2001. You can also join us on social media at Word Talk on Twitter or a public affair on Facebook. So, um, so that's the billionaires. Um, another faction is that of white supremacists, white nationalists, neo-Nazis and anti-government extremists. I want to tell you, David, um, I am... Um, pretty much just back from a visit to um, Florida to um, see family members who have moved there recently for work. And uh, I took the dog on a walk one day in the neighborhood. And uh, really just a few steps away from the street where my relatives live, I um, first saw this house totally surrounded by um, a fence and a huge sign saying this property is protected by armed security beware and then under that a um, a logo that I didn't recognize but looked very fascistic in nature and so I keep walking and uh, maybe a block down the street, there's this house with um, two Confederate flags. The driveway is painted Confederate. And as I walked by, even though it was the middle of the day, a light came up from a tree and I looked up there and there was something that looked very much like a deer stand. And I was thinking, wow, they're really ready for the race war, right? They're going to go up on that tree and shoot, you know, black people, Democrats. Um, and, and that's just one experience that I've had there. Um, so I, one thing I realized that they really live in a bubble. Um, but I also saw a little bit of the face of... Um, the people who are really preparing to um for for you know an armed um war so talk talk about that faction of um the people who are still 
plotting and um, waiting for things to happen. Sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, yeah, where to start? I mean, yeah, no doubt a lot of the, you know, folks that are, you know, uh, cir circulating and involved and and were, were involved with the planning of um, the, the January 6th insurrection, you know, were part of um, white nationalists or white supremacist groups. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, many of the leaders of these organizations um, and the fund and, and in particular, the funders and organizers have yet to be held accountable, um, or at least from what I can see. Um, you know, there's been a lot of like individuals and, um, you know, that's how we know, you know, people like or organizations like the Proud Boys and the Patriot Front were included. Um, but, you know, we, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot, uh, again, a lot of this is, is motivated by, by race. Um, and, you know, the, the situation on the border um, and how that has, you know, prominently, you know, um, been um, used by the right, you know, over the last, you know, since in particular since Biden, you know, has assumed office, um, but in the last few months and then, you know, working or pressuring McCarthy to, to make this, you know, a, a center issue um, once he's speaker, you know, also really um, puts this into play um, and, and shows, you know, the importance of this to, you know, um, the right. Uh, notice that when they talk about the border, they're not referring to the border on the north, right? <laughs> um, that border on the north, you know, um, with our with our friends in Canada you know, is, is not, you know, more protected than um, the Mexican border. Um, it's, it's wide open in spots and people are moving back and forth, right? Um, but why, why doesn't, you know, the people on the right care? Because those people are, you know, for the most part white um, and what they see is similar to them. Um, but they don't want the black and brown people, you know, um, and, and people of color coming through um, at the border, which is, um, <clears throat> you know, why. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're so concerned about this. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, theory that's, you know, promoted and circulated on the right um, by, and, you know, most prominently by people like Tucker Carlson called the great replacement theory. Um, this is something that many people on the right, you know, um, believe in and are worried about that, you know, people of color, you know, are increasing in this country, that, that this is not what this country was founded on. I mean, this is what they believe, right? Um, and that um, the country needs to do something or um, white people, you know, white Christian Americans uh, are, are going to be replaced um, in the country that they know and love, which, you know, includes, you know, um, slavery um, and, and all of the stuff that we, you know, you know, um, consider to be, you know, unreasonable and, and terrible things. Um, but that, 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 you know, history is going to be gone, right? Um, and so, you know, no doubt that this, you know, played a huge role in motivating people um, and getting people to turn out on January 6th. Um, these organizations, you know, are, still exist. These individuals still exist. Many of them have not um, been held accountable. And, and what's the role of anti-Semitism in all of that, too? Anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, anti-Semitism has risen, right? Um, you know, and we, we've seen, you know, I'm sure listeners and, and, and you as well have seen, you know, the attacks on Jewish communities, you know, here in the U.S. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a long history between, you know, white supremacy movements and anti-Semitism. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, or, or the interesting thing, depending on your perspective, right, is that you know, Trump and the right have, you know, over the, the last, you know, eight years or so, or maybe longer, have really cozied up with the Israeli government, right? Um, you know, Trump moved the embassy even in Israel to appease, you know, his friends there um, in the Israeli government and the, the evangelicals and the Christian right, you know, um, see Israel as a very important place um, and, and, you know, and have formed alliances. So that's why we saw, for example, um, you know, the spread of uh, anti-BDS laws here in the U.S., um, which, of course, you know, wouldn't have been possible without ALEC. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. mention ALEC once again. Um, but um, and now has set the stage for a number of other kinds of uh, boycott bills. Um, there's a wonderful um, documentary um, that came out called Boycott um, by some friends of CMDs, um, if, if people are, you know, listening or interested in that. But um, 
yeah, I mean, all of this, you know, all of this is related. Um, as long as Trump and those on the right continue, you know, to, to have power and organize uh, funding, they're going to, you know, you know, um, continue the, the anti-Semitism and white supremacism are going to um, continue. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, you probably have seen that um, video recently of proud boys who have gone to harass a, a drag queens in a drag show, um, just being ushered into the New York subway by a cop who decided that they don't need to pay the fare and then didn't allow journalists to um, follow, which brings um, the very important issue of um, law enforcement complicity, which we saw on January 6, two years ago. And um, we also have learned that quite a few of the people who were there um, trying to um, overturn the elections were themselves law enforcement or or military people. Um, Yeah, just how, what do we know about... um, sympathy and empathy to Trump and his um, aspirations among these people who are supposed to um, protect us? Well, um, I mean, what we know is that, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, folks that were at January 6th that were you know, ex-military, um, serving in law enforcement, both federal law enforcement, some local law enforcement. Um, and um, yeah, they, they, they were receptive. Um, so there's, I mean, there's theories out there as, as to why, um, you know, they, they were particularly receptive to this message and willing to turn out. Um, you know, some, some claim that, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, right, um, and, and how that was handled, um, you know, um, you know, has, has, has affected this. Um, and, you know, Republicans also love to weaponize, right. Um, you know, we love our police, the thin blue line, you know, flags and, and, um, being tough on crime anytime elections come around. Right. Um, that's a real, um, you know, strong strategy of theirs. Um, and it's successful in many places. Um, now at the same time, they don't, they, they, they're not always funding the police, right? Um, I think this is this was brought up, um, I, I, want, I think it was Evers, um, Governor Evers here in Wisconsin, but um, with the shared revenue issues, right? Um, so <laughs> the Republicans have talked about problems with public safety and, and problems with, you know, the funding of police, but they've also not been willing to, um, you know, send funds, you know, to, to the cities to, to deal with this. And, you know, shared revenue has gone down, you know, over the last, you know, um, you know, 10 years or, or longer. So, um, you know, you, you know, in a way it's a, it's a problem that they've created. Um, but that, you know, they've also weaponized, you know, to try to benefit themselves and gain and gain more power. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at that. I want to uh, divert for just a brief moment, but because of the really worsening situation, um, with Israel and um, and Palestine, you mentioned that Alec has a uh, an important role in uh, making BDS uh, boycott, divestments, and sanctions um, legislation illegal. Um, t- talk about that. What what's the role of Alec there? Well, Alec was presented with um, the model bill. Um, to protect um, Israeli companies and, and interests from um, the the movement here in the U.S. to to boycott and divest from you know state um, companies um, and state uh, actors you know um, from the the country of Israel in response to Israel's treatment of the Palestinian community. Um, so Alec, you know, uh, actually you know had Israeli lobbyists or Israeli operatives at its meetings. Um, and worked with the Christian right to form alliances to help promote um, that model bill to Alec lawmakers, which then, you know, moved it in, in tens of states. Um, that model, um, you know, is, is, <clears throat> was challenged in Texas 
um, or actually challenged in a number of places, but it was challenged in Texas by a Palestinian speech pathologist working in a school district because she had to sign a contract in order to continue her work as a speech pathologist that said that she would not boycott um, or divest Israel. She claimed that was a violation of her First Amendment rights um, that you know was challenged in the courts, and and the Texas Supreme Court said agreed um, and found um, you know what and and wasn't and ruled in favor. Hmm. Um, of her. So that what did Texas do? They changed the bill. So now it only applies to companies or organizations with over 10 employees. Um, that model um, now has been extended to um, different types of issues. So um, a group by the name of the National Shooting Sports Foundation has um, created or is promoting a model that protects weapon um, manufacturers and gun um, gun companies and whatnot from uh, boycotts. Um, the fossil fuel industry um, has a bill um, that is doing the same thing to protect um, fossil fuel interests, uh, distributors and whatnot. Um, that bill called the Energy Discrimination Elimination Act, a crazy name, um, you know, was was first uh, introduced in the summer of 2021 to ALEC, um, but passed its task force in um, December 2021. Um, a more uh, recent version of the bill or updated version of the bill um, was presented at Alex's um, December 2022 meeting um, to extend it you know, beyond um, <clears throat> the fossil fuels to big agriculture, um, forestry or logging. And then they even had a spot that said parentheses, any industry in your state that, you've, that you basically want to protect. <laughs> um, and, it, and it allows... Um, importantly, the, the newer version allows for um, the state AG, the state attorney general to investigate and to, to kind of, um, uh, you know, subpoena or, or gather documents for investigations to see if state contractors, employees or, or, or the like, um, you know, are boycotting um, some of these, you know, industries in, in the bill. Mm-hmm. Well, we have um, a caller for you, David. Other folks are invited to join us, 2608-256-2001. But if you want to join, I suggest you do it soon, because if you do it, as people often do at the last minute, we won't get to you. Uh, Mike, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask your guest, um, I understand there was about 2,000 insurrectionists on January 6th. Um, We have close to 250,000 Department of Homeland Security employees. When you add in the the park rangers, the U.S. Marshals, the ATF, we would have had over 500,000 security personnel. Um, I can't believe they didn't know this was coming because that's all CNN was talking about the previous uh, month before this. So I, um, I don't know. We would have had them outnumbered uh, 250 to 1. So it, yeah. it seemed like we could have stopped this easily. Yeah. And then I'm also, if I could, I wanted to get your, your opinion on uh, what happened in Arizona last month. So the Democrat Secretary of State, who's running for governor, who's overlooking the election, sends out hundreds of thousands of incorrect ballots, made it very hard for the people that got these ballots to get corrected ballots. Then when they didn't trust the system, they said, okay, I'm I'm walking this ballot in and putting it in the voting machine. And 20% of the voting machines fail. And they tell these people to put their ballot in this box to be counted later. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So then all of a sudden you had lines five miles long. Now, I can't say they stole the election there, the Democrats, but could you comment on these things? They're all very easy to verify. Thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, David. Um, <laughs> so as to your first question, um, you know, I think the invest- the the January 6th, you know, committee's report um, gets, you know, into deeper detail about this. But but certainly, um, you know, the, the, fe- the feds were aware of, of what was happening. Um, I think that's clear from the investigation. Um, we know, you know, also from the investigation, uh, you know, and 
I'm speaking from, you know, watching some of the, the public hearings that they, they held, um, but that Trump, you know, was in a room alone um, watching, you know, the, the insurrection unfold on a TV um, and did not act, right? Um, you know, so, you know, you put those two things together, um, you know, then you can, you can assume that there was some directive, um, you know, from, from higher up to, to not, you know, um, to not try to prevent, you know, what was happening, right, um, on January 6th. As to Arizona, Arizona is, um, you know, a very interesting place, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, it was one of the first places that we saw and we reported on very early um, where a Stop the Steal rally was held. Um, and Ali Alexander or Ali Akbar, is his previous name, you know, was, uh, you know, working to um, <clears throat> try to upend the results there when, when it had been clear that Trump was losing um, and they were counting ballots and to try to prevent, um, you know, Arizona from, you know, going to Trump um, in 2020. Um, so, you know, there's there's a large um, far right fraction there, um, you know, and that's why we saw, you know, after the election, a number of different audits. And then they held their, you know, the frauded or, or partisan, you know, audit, if you, however you want to frame it, um, led by Senate President Karen Pham. Um, who coincidentally finished a year term as um, Alex's national chair, um, but you know she hired fo partisan folks to 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 do a forensic audit. And what did she find? Right, or a so-called forensic audit, um, partisan audit. What did she find? That the election wasn't stolen. Um, that Trump had won, and that the infrastructure had held up. Um, now I haven't seen any reports, you know, from from the governor's election that that, that you speak of, or or um, you know the lines or whatnot, or the la or the you know comments on lapse of, you know, security or technology related to the ballots. Um, but you know they, as far as I know, they pass laws to require audits um, going forward. So we'll see we'll see how things proceed. Um, you know, but again. You know, they had a Republican, you know, legislature, they had a Republican governor, they had a Republican AG, all of these folks that looked into the election in 2020 and found everything it held up. Um, so, you know, my my thinking is that, you know, we'll likely see the same thing. And, and this is, you know, probably misinformation that has been circulated, you know, by the right wing um, in Arizona to try to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the new governor there. Um, and, oh, I'll also add that, you know, the, the challenger, right, um, for the new governor there, Carrie Lake, um, is a, is a tr Trump loyalist. Um, she's, you know, really, you know, stood um, close to Donald Trump's side. She's um, been to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the feet of the emperor. Um, you know, she is, you know, very much, you know, um, a MAGA Republican um, and far-right um, figure um, and has tried in the courts um, to, uh, challenge the results um, and, you know, in some cases been mocked, her lawyers have been mocked by judges um, because they just don't even, you know, clearly understand the court proceedings. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so I, I did not read the 300 page uh, report of the select committee on January 6th, but uh, I did look at the um, at, at headlines, at, at um, the points that um, seem to be most important and maybe least known. And um, one thing I learned is that the committee um, acknowledged there was uh, intelligence failure, as they called it, but they did not assign blame. They that was one thing um, that they did not go deeply into, which is interesting. I mean, do you have a guess why that might have been? <sighs> it's it's so frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's yeah. They went through all of it, and then they they you know seemed to rush publishing the report before they knew that they were going to lose control, right, of the house. Mm. Um, you know, in the last weeks of December, they were scrambling, you know, to, to get the report out, to get the transcripts out, right, um, to get, you know, all the evidence out. Um, you know, so it's, it's hard, hard to say, but it sounds like to me, or it seems to me, and again, this is only my opinion, sort of like following the proceedings and whatnot, is that they, they, they really just wanted to kind of present their findings 
and then give you know the Department of Justice um, you know all of the evidence and let them kind of sift through it and decide you know whether anything criminal happened or not um, which is just you know it's, it's it's unfortunate because now you know we're we're moving into this new Congress um, you know that's going to be you know you know severe you know it's going to move severely to the right. Um, and they're already talking about, you know, like, you know, removing the, the committee on ethics, like an ethical oversight, um, things like this, um, you know, investigating the, the, what they call the weaponization of the FBI. Um, you know, they, they believe the FBI was working with the feds to like prevent, um, you know, um, right wingers from, you know, speaking their opinions on, um, social media and things like this. Right. You know, so. Yeah, it's just really frustrating. Um, I'm sure a lot of Americans, a lot of people listening feel the frustration as well. Um, we'll see how the process unfolds, you know, with with the Department of Justice and, and whether anyone is really held accountable. Yeah. So um, by, uh, one but, more thing. Sorry. Yeah. And by uh, really held accountable, I'm talking about the upper the higher ups, right? The people who organize this, the people who funded it, right? The insurrection. Um, the people in leadership positions, right? Because there's been, you know, a lot of people who were there, right? Um, who broke in and stuff who have been found guilty and, and some of them are in prison. You know, we've seen the stories, right? Um, but still, you know, the leadership, you know, the people who made this happen, um, the funders, it required a lot of money. It required a lot of planning, right? Um, these are the people that we as Americans should be, you know, demanding and, and, and asking for um, accountability. Um, somebody, you know, uh, some higher ups need to go to jail. The committee, you know, um, recommended that Trump, right, um, be um, <clears throat> charged with, uh, I think it was four, four different crimes. Um, but it's, it goes way beyond him. Yeah. So um, some of the other findings, just uh, very briefly, is that Trump and his allies planned, promoted, and paid for a criminal conspiracy to overturn the elections that they know they'd lost. Uh, Trump, Meadows, and Giuliani's had direct roles in organizing the scheme to replace the rightful delegates to the Electoral College. Uh, they came up with new information about the breadth of Trump as in closest associate, associates' efforts to pressure state officials to exceed their legal authority. Um, the assault on the Capitol would not have happened without Trump's speech at the ellipse. Uh, this is all very, very serious, very scary. We have very little time. So let me ask you um, two questions in one. Um, one is the DOJ. Do you think they will go um, deeply into all of that and um, really do what needs to be done um, and put these people on uh, trial, as well as the ones you mentioned, the billionaires and so on and so forth. And another very important question, I think, is why are we not outraged? Why are we not out in the streets? Why are we not organizing? Why are we sitting pretty comfortably allowing this to continue and maybe come to a very, very, very negative um, ending. Yeah, so as, as to the first question, um, your guess is as good as mine. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know much about um, the, you know, so-called independent, um, you know, lawyer or prosecutor or whatever you want, whatever his official title is, um, you know, who's, who's, you know, been given the, the power to investigate here. Um, you know, what, what he might do. Um, but certainly, you know, time is of the essence, right? Um, Trump has, uh, you know, announced that he's running for president again. Um, the infrastructure is in place. Um, the, the, he has more supporters and followers, you know, who are committed to the movement than he has had, than he had before, um, arguably. Um, if, if, if we see, you know, primary that is split, you know, among like eight or nine candidates, like what, what happened, you know, in 2016, where Trump emerged, I think Trump will realistically emerge again, um, because he's got this solid base of what is it, 20, 25% um, that just continue to, to follow him, you know, no matter what. 
you know, he re- he released those ridiculous, uh, at, you know, NFT like Superman tokens or whatever with the lasers coming out of his eyes. They sold out in like minutes or something, right? I mean, it's ridiculous what his followers will buy and and how they will support him and continue funneling money to him. So, um, you know, it's very important that the Department of Justice does something and does something quick. And the second point, why aren't we on the streets, is is a great question. Um, our rights. Right. Our fundamental rights, you know, whether it be health care, um, our access um, to vote, our right to vote are under attack. You know, so we should be we should be, you know, more outraged collectively, you know, as a citizenry um, and participating at a higher rate um, in elections. You know, I know Dane County you know, participates at a very high rate um, if, if you look at it countrywide. But that trend does not, you know, um, extend you know, beyond Dane County. We need way more people, you know, um, expressing their voice and, and getting involved in the electoral process. And that includes not only voting, but um, volunteering in elections um, to ensure um, that they are safe and fair and free. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess I will end with a call for our listeners to um Just just think about the what might happen if Trump uh, becomes president again or one of the trump like um folks and to realize that um that this work continues that the right never sleeps it seems they uh keep coming up with all kinds of ways to deprive us of um whatever rights we have and and um It's, it's weird to me, David, that um, the left, I mean, I don't want to say that the left isn't organizing. We saw in these latest elections that uh, there was significant amount of organizing, but I think it's not sustained the way the right does, right? Of course, there's also not as much money, but um, yeah. You'll, you'll last yeah I mean there were a lot of races right too where people there were Republicans unchallenged or far-right candidates unchallenged yeah uh, you know we really need people to step up and and there should be no races where there's no challengers um, you know um, you know people people deserve choices um, and and that's how that's how we'll um, you know move past this hopefully. Yeah. Well, David Armiak, Research Director with the Center for Media and Democracy and its Insurrection Exposed website, which you all are welcome, of course, to uh, check out on the web. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. You know, CMD is uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. So um, congratulations. You know, And, uh, um, and visit our websites. Yeah, very good. Thank you. And thanks to Jade and to Samuel who help us do this show. I'm Esti Dinor. We'll be talking again next week. Bye-bye. To another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground.